and welcome to episode 852 of The Sleeper in the Bus. It is Thursday, September 17th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, and I'm joined by Justin Mason. Justin, good morning, sir. How you doing? Doing well. Well enough. Hanging in there. Stretch run. What, 10 days left? Yeah, I think, I think yeah. 11. 11 days. Things are still pretty movable because of the shortened season. Mm-hmm. Did a little uh, talking fab with... With Dusty, my, my main event partner, we're saying, um, hey, you know, maybe we get like a Miguel Rojas or an Angelton Simmons because of batting average. Like, yeah, I don't know. We, uh, we're, 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 you know, we're, we're six points back or whatever. And it's like, and I, I was just like, hey, what do you think we would need to hit to move those points? It's like, I don't know, you know, 340 it was like 280. Um, <laughs> batting average still super movable, mm-hmm. and uh, the other ratios too for sure. And one thing, this actually is a, a helpful lesson for standard six month seasons about ratios being movable. Um, obviously not as movable this late, but uh, what Todd Zola I know always focuses on when he does uh, like an article sometime in like August or September talking about how ratios are movable. Only category where people can come back to you too. So that in, enhances their movability. And then you throw in the fact that, you know, we're doing a two-month season. They're wildly movable still. And then, of course, a lot of counting categories are bunched up. So things are still moving quite a bit. And uh, it's going to be – there's going to be some wild, wild finishes. We hear about wild finishes in the standard six-month seasons. I think they're going to pale in comparison to what we're going to hear about uh, next week. It's, it's going to be crazy. How are your teams doing, by the way? Uh, my teams are doing okay. My main event team is still in the running, though. Uh, took a hit yesterday. I'm, th- I'm third in the league. I think I've got third pretty close to uh, locked up, which means I, it'll, it'll be profitable. So That's good. That's good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Th- third place gets their money back and then a little extra. I think second place is still achievable and, and maybe even first if I go on some sort of heater. Over the next uh, eleven days, so uh, I'm I'm hoping for it. I, you well, know, yeah, it'd be nice. Hoping that comes then. Um, it's gonna be fun. It's gonna be mm-hmm. fun to see how everything kind of comes down the stretch. We got plenty to talk about today. We're gonna get into a few news and notes, and then talk about a group of players that went from a 2019 breakout to an established stud this year. They even in a short two month run here, I think they've done enough to where they are now part of the bankable studs as we go into 21. And I'll get your thoughts on these guys if you agree and uh, how you're treating them next year because their ADP is set to rise yet again based on the fact that they kind of said, you know what, 2019 was was legit. Mm -hmm. But we have to start, as you would (laughs) expect, with Jared Walsh. Who? Jared Walsh. Obviously, uh, Brenda and Brandon's long-lost sibling from mm-hmm. 90210. Jared Walsh... That, that joke went over 50% of our listener base. You you are a silly human idiot. 92% had no idea what the hell I'm talking about. <laughs> no. Maybe Matthew Berry listens, in which case he just did a fist pump and was like, yes, I get that. Uh, Jared Walsh, just in case you're wondering, had played... 14, put up 14 plate appearances from July 24th to September 2nd. He was a non-factor. He wasn't playing. Wasn't really room for him. 
came uh, came into the lineup uh, in a starting role on September 4th, hit a home run, and decided, you know what? That was fun. I want to keep doing it. He has six homers in his last nine games, which I would say is very nice. 405, 429, 942. Absolutely insane run. Definitely shifting leagues right now where he's been picked up, particularly in like a daily if you scooped him. Now, I think AL only would probably be the only ones to scoop him quickly. Otherwise, folks probably just got him this past Sunday. But even that, he's he's already done some damage there. He's already given him two homers, um, hitting ones each of the last two days on Tuesday and Wednesday. So Jared Walsh is on fire the hell's going on with Jared Walsh of the Anaheim or of the Los Angeles Anaheim California Orange County Angels? Well, I want I'm trying to find it because uh, someone did a breakdown um, on Twitter. I want to give him credit. Okay, uh, someone named at Taylor Blake Ward. I don't, I don't even oh, know. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I know that person. So I, I, tw- I Twitter know them. I Twitter know them. Yes. So uh, he looks like he's uh, just in broadcasting. Uh, did a little gift breakdown of his swing from last year and his swing from this year. And there are obvious mechanical adjustments in quieting his load. So uh, I think that is, uh, in part, why he is ha- finding such success. Now, I don't know how much he can... Ke- I mean, he's obviously not going to do this. He's not turning into, uh, you know, the greatest player of all time. You know, leapfrogging <laughs> he- Mike Trout on his own team. Is he turning into anything viable, though? Because the really interesting part is that he's even playing because he's first base, mm-hmm. and um, it's it's really come at the expense. And I think there was a, a small injury for him. Actually, no, it's not listed on Ross Reason. Coming at the expense of Otani, essentially, because Pujols is still playing, but he's DHing, and Walsh is playing first. Yeah, Otani, I think, one, I think they're just giving him extra days off because he uh, because of the injury to the elbow. Um, you know, the, the, the pitching yeah, elbow, the pitching <laughs> not, yes. not, not, not the hitting elbow, but the pitching elbow. Um, he's also struggled quite a bit. This I was going to say, so. it's, it's actually been, you know, not great. 189, 287, 349 for Otani. He's still been kind of fantasy solid with counting categories, five homers, seven steals, but there is reason. And then when, when Walsh catches a heater like this, why not let him play? But, you know, he's batting second as well. Mm-hmm. Um, in between Fletcher and Trout, which is nice. That's a nice little duo to be squinched in between there. So, um, you know, I, I wonder, a little something here for the future at all for, for Jared Walsh? Or is this just a, a hot run that uh, we don't want to overrate too much? I think that it's a little bit of both. I think he okay. could turn into a viable corner. The question will become Christian Walker, maybe. Yes. I think that's a really good example of the type of fantasy player you could expect from him. If he's able to carve out a real role next year. I mean, the power isn't going to be prodigious considering how many ground balls he hits. Mm -hmm. He's like a 50% ground ball guy, but if he's been able to make a tweak like he had, which is a pretty substantial tweak to his uh, swing mechanics, you know, you'd think he'd be able to make another small one to maybe raise that uh, um, launch angle a little bit. So I think he's probably like a 280 type hitter, 270, 280 uh, 
type hitter. Yeah, probably closer to 270. But he does have a lot of raw power uh, that he could tap into with just another little tweak. He always hit the ball hard. Uh, mm-hmm. So, I mean, he's he's got a 43% hard hit percentage, and that's actually down from last year. 65 raw in the last mm-hmm. profile we had for, for Walsh, too, uh, which was which was a 2020 report. You know, he's a little bit of an older prospect uh, in his age 27 season, but it was still enough to to get profiled. His, and, and he made the top 25 for the for the Angels, Jared Walsh. Did, and so. his development was slowed in the minor leagues because he was also a pitching prospect. So he was Correct. he was this two way player. I actually have him. I've had him all season in a uh, in, in my 30 team, 100 man roster dyna- or uh, keeper league that I do. Um, and so he's been a nice little add or well, not add a nice little uh, bonus for, for that team that's doing fairly well. Cool. Cronenworth esque in that uh, mm-hmm. in that he you know had that pitching capability there, but now the hitting's emerging. He popped thirty six homers last year at AAA, and I know mm-hmm. that the rabbit ball was there, and and it is PCL two factors that can really help. But anytime you pop thirty six homers uh, in ninety eight games, by the way, four hundred fifty four plate appearances, that's a little something to behold there for for Jared Walsh. And uh, this is actually his age twenty six season. He is now twenty seven years old, but. Uh, with the cutoff, it is his age 26 season. So, you know, keep an eye on him. Uh, we'll see what, what develops with regards to the role next year. As far as playing this heater, let it ride out. I mean, he is um, on the roster resource power rank. He is number one over the last seven days, uh, which is which is impressive for sure. They're going to keep playing him because why wouldn't they? And batting two between Fletcher and Trout is nice. I bet he's still available in some leagues too. I mean, mm-hmm. Obviously, you've missed the best. But I wouldn't be surprised if he clubbed another couple homers and, and and you know had a few RBIs the rest of the way too. So if you still need a corner bat in your shallower league, you might as well check it out because I can understand why people would still leave Jared Walsh available. Yep. All right, moving on. Oh, Shar just came in. Hey, what's up, Shar? Where'd you even come from? My door was closed. Do you not open doors now? That could be trouble. <laughs> Brady Singer. Was, I just uh, uh, was... that just made me think. I just watched the uh, uh, the original Jurassic Park with my daughter. And, and oh, the, no. the scariest part for her was that the the, the uh, raptors figured out how to open up doors. Yeah, how to open the doors. The scariest part of that movie. Uh, it will. I would get my Jello jiggling too. Uh, in in terror of the uh, of the raptors. Great great movie though. Love the uh, love the original for sure. Uh, but Brady Singer. I want to talk a little bit about him. The the phenom from KC had another gem. You know, he got knocked around a little bit in in a pair of starts against the White Sox. Nothing wrong with that. He faced them back to back, gave up eight runs in in ten and two thirds. Since then, has bounced back brilliantly in two road starts with fourteen scoreless innings, including a no hit bid at Cleveland uh, back on the tenth, in which he ended up going eight innings, one run, or excuse me, one hit of shutout ball with eight strikeouts bounces back, uh, you know, in his next one against the Tigers, six scoreless on two hits, another eight strikeouts. So he's been mostly good. Um, really his only flat out bad stuff. Well, there's probably, there's been two five earned against the white Sox in five and two thirds, four earned against the twins in four. Other than that, he's ranged from solid to great. And uh, closing very strong here, Brady Singer, a legit prospect, 23 years old, 
What do we make of, of Brady Singer and what we've seen so far in 10 starts, 54 and a third innings? And then what do we do in spinning forward next year with him? Because, he, like I said, he was a legit prospect, and he's he's been showing some interesting, uh, some interesting stuff here on the mound this year. I think he's one of those guys that could really take a step forward next year. I mean, he's already got the command part down, which mm-hmm. is not something we uh, typically see from kind of big-name pitching prospects. Typically, they're coming up and... They've got, you know, some filthy stuff, but maybe poor command. I mean, we graded him out as, you know, 55-60 command profile. Uh, I'd like to see him throw that change up maybe a little bit more. But, yeah. uh, I mean, in his last start, he didn't throw the change up once. Didn't need it, though. No, he was, he was. I mean, just mowing your Tigers down. So Not hard, not hard, but still. You get credit for all of it, and as a rookie, I'm not going to take away just because of of the um, uh, the, the opponent there. But you're right; it is it is really a a uh, sinker slider approach right now with with the changeup being a show me pitch. Over the course of six months, uh, as as teams kind of get the book, that'll become a problem. Yeah, you, you really do want to have that third offering. Can his changeup become that legit pitch? We gave it a 40 present with a 50 future, though. So Eric uh, does see some some development there. Are you, are you seeing some of that development potential as well? Yeah, I think it's a decent pitch. Like, I, okay. I don't think it's ever going to be uh, like a, a, a premier pitch for him, but I, I think it could be good enough. And actually, I think it is good enough right now that he could be usable. And if he get it up into the 10% range, I think... Uh, that would be very beneficial to him, you know, and I think he really does need it. I don't think he's one of these guys that can live on two pitches. His stuff isn't nearly dominant enough, uh, but uh, especially with the amount of contact he gives up, especially inside the zone uh, and hard contact, I I think that'll be disastrous if he continues kind of a a two-pitch approach. So if we're seeing him throw it more, I think in spring next year, I'm going to start getting uh, very excited. And I don't think the tax on him is going to be extremely high. No, no. Being a KC pitcher, I don't think Brady Singer is going to generate all that much interest. In fact, they've got a group of pitchers that I could really see as as supplemental pieces to a staff. Like they don't have to be key to what you're doing. They can just kind of be added in. Uh, and that would include Brad Keller as well. Danny Duffy even have quietly doing pretty well this year, and Chris Bubich, I thought has uh, has shown some things in his eight starts. Now, you know, he's one in five. He's got kind of the short end of there, but uh, he's also imp- uh, impressed me a bit. So I think I think KC could be an interesting uh, resource for some for some supplemental pitching next year. And they still got guys on the way. And I some think real big those guys. guys will come up. I mean, they had no reason to bring up a lot of these guys that they brought yeah, up this Lynch, year. Daniel Lynch, Jackson Coar. Mm-hmm. They don't need to come. So they brought up Bubich and Singer. Singer, I think, was uh, more expected because he had reached double A last year. Bubich came from high A. Um, and that was... That was a pleasant surprise, though. I kind of liked how some of the teams, and they were one of them that was aggressive with some of their prospects and said, hey, we're going to give them a shot. Now, they weren't really competing or anything. I understand from a um, you know, contract standpoint, it might not have been the the best move, but I, I applaud it. I like when, especially with pitchers, if you deem them ready, wasting bullets on an alternate site, not even minors, at least in the minors, if you're, if you're winning titles, that there is a, a little bit of value to that. 
um, as far as having organizational success. But wasting bullets on the on the freaking alternate site, no way, no way. You, you don't want to do that. So I respect that they brought up these guys this year. And I mean, Lynch and Coar are both twenty four years old, uh, or you know, Lynch is close to being twenty four. So like they've uh, had a strategy of drafting college arms that mm-hmm. were going to be advancing quickly. So I think both of those guys will be in their rotation at some point, probably April, May of next year. They, they could have a really strong rotation next year. Really then, strong young rotation, yeah. It, yeah, it depends on how, if they can find some hitting, and then all of a sudden maybe they could be one of those sneak teams because um, it's going to get to a point, too, where they can move some of these guys into the bullpen to strengthen their bullpen via these starters. Um, and, and all of a sudden, pitching as a as a force for KC, need a little bit of hitting, and then, hey, maybe they're back to another uh, uh, run here after winning World Series not too long ago. So good on them. I want to go out to Baltimore, talk about Keegan Aiken. Uh, definitely a guy I did not know about until this year, but uh, has hit the radar and, and done some impressive things, including a big start last night where he struck out eight, and uh, he's got his ERA down to 338 on the season with a 123 whip. It's only been uh, 18 and two thirds. You know, he threw five innings scoreless last time, uh, last night. He'd been r- crushed by the Yankees before that, four four runs and two thirds. But then the, the start before that, it was five and a third shutout against the Yankees. So you know, he really only has that one major blow up. Um, in, in these last four starts. Otherwise, they've been pretty good. And I've been impressed with the strikeout numbers. Six, eight, only got one in the uh, in the two-thirds of an inning. And then nine. Is Keegan Aiken, Aiken somebody that's hitting your radar in like a deep-mixed or AL-only sort of level? Are, are, are you interested here in the 25-year-old lefty for Baltimore? Yeah, I put some bids on him this past week for, for, uh, for this week and rest of the way. Uh, just because, I mean, starting pitching is just a landmine, especially if you're... <sighs> Streaming's been a nightmare this year. <laughs> it really has, and especially if you're playing in deeper mixed leagues or obviously AL and NL only, uh, it's it's been really difficult to stream pitchers kind of in and out. But Aiken was widely available. Uh, I, I took a shot on him. I think in two leagues I got him, uh, but he wasn't my first choice. I don't know how sustainable what we've seen is going to be. Uh, I mean, pitching in Baltimore is just can be disastrous uh, just because of the park he walks a lot of guys and so and and the rest of the division can be you know yeah adds to it with them coming into camden you know yeah i mean he tends to give up a a decent amount of hard contact i mean it's not like egregiously bad or anything i do like that he you know he does have the third pitch to kind of rely on uh that you know like singer doesn't he he throws his change up 17 uh percent of the time slider 22 uh, four seamer 60. So I think he's a guy you can kind of work with the rest of the way. Um, I haven't checked his schedule. I'd probably be good. I can do that while, while you're talking about him because I'm, you know what? I'm going to also ask you, are they starting to change the, the reputation there? Um, as far as developing pitch, because it's a, it's a new, it, it's a new regime and I don't really put the lack of Bundy development on the Michael Elias, regime because they didn't have him from the start and so you know he does leave and all of a sudden he breaks out and it's like oh here we go again with baltimore unable uh, unable to develop pitching but you know aiken 
Uh, Dean Kramer has has done some interesting things this year. John Means hasn't had the results, but his stuff has actually really ticked up. I, I actually, Means has had kind of a lost season too, with injuries and the paternity leave or he lost family leaves. Yeah, I mean, just it's it's just been a weird year. So, I mean, I kind of throw this one out. I, I do too, but I I've been impressed that his stuff has improved mm-hmm. the, the way it has, and I wonder if maybe they're starting to turn the dial on. Instead of always seeing them as a team where if you like a pitcher at all, you want them out of there as quickly as possible, uh, maybe we start to be interested in some of the guys that they're developing. By the way, Aiken will get a two-start next week at Boston, at mm-hmm. Toronto. Yes, that's that's, that's not why one super of the easy, but I am I would play that. I, yeah. I would absolutely play that. If you need strikeouts, you, you go for it. I mean, you're probably yeah. not going to get a win from it, you know, because it's Baltimore and they don't win games very often. <laughs> Maybe uh, one. Boston's pretty terrible. Yeah, you know, you, and you, who knows? You know, I mean, if Toronto has a playoff spot wrapped up by then, that, that's the last game of the year. They they could be yeah. looking at putting out the B squad there and, mm-hmm. and just preparing for the Rest, playoffs. You're resting right. everybody. Cool. So, uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's a, actually a really good streaming target uh, for for people who play in weekly leagues. So that's Keegan Aiken and mm-hmm. uh, Kramer will only get one start, but it'll be against Boston. And uh, he actually starts today against Tampa Bay, so he does have two starts left himself. And yeah, I've been surprised. Baltimore's been a little bit of a refuge for some uh, for some streaming options here this year. Yeah, I, I think yeah. Rest of the way, I'm uh, I'm definitely on board. I'll, I'll do a deeper dive in the off season to, to see, but I mean, he's gonna have a role next year, you would think. Oh, I mean, come on! So how, like how he's probably he... their number two starter heading into next year. Yeah, how how, how could Aiken not and and Kramer as well? You know, they they should get an opportunity to do something, for sure. So, uh, you know, keep an eye on both of those guys. And, and again, I think we might be turning the tide at least a little bit on Baltimore pitching, where you're not just instantly running away from it. You still got to be mindful of the park and that. But as they bring up some of their prospects that they've been working with now for a few years under the new regime. We might have a little something here. Speaking of streaming being the landmine uh, that 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 we that we talked about, one of the guys who was you know the the king streamer to start the season has now been optioned. Randy Dobnik got optioned to the alternate site when he started this year. I mean, it was excellent. He had f- six starts of two or fewer runs. He had a one seventy eight through those six starts. Since then, he's only been good in one outing. And you can't blame it on competition because it's been Detroit, Detroit, St. Louis, and the White Sox. The White Sox are the really only scare team there. Um, Cardinals, you don't love facing them, but as well as he was, as well as Dobnek was pitching, you were down to start him against against them. And yet, three of the four have been a nightmare: six, zero, five, and four earned runs, respectively, for an 8.27 ERA, moving his composite ERA from 178 to 405 on the year. So you look at it bottom line; it's not too bad. But you look at him recently, and that's why he was sent out because he's really, really been struggling. Now, I think uh, Jake Odorizzi came back and instantly left with a uh, blister, I believe. And so Dobnek might just turn the car around and, and come yeah. right back. But how do you feel about Dobnek this year? And I know the scary thing and great line by Sammy Reed. How do you spell Dobnek? 1K. So funny, so true, <laughs> because he does not miss bats. Um, but how do you feel? How do you feel about him this year with kind of the jumbled success of being excellent for six starts and then a nightmare for three? I, for four, uh, f- three of four, I should say. Sorry. 
I I don't understand why he kind of changed a little bit of his pitch usage. Um, I mean, he, he's become more and more reliant, especially in the last two starts on the slider, which, I mean, it's not a bad pitch, but it, it came at, it came at the expense of the changeup as opposed to the expense of the bad fastball. Um, and I think that has hurt him. Mm-hmm. And I mean, this is the, you know, th- this is the downside of a guy like Dobnek who doesn't strike guys out. Like doesn't have the ability to just, you know, mow guys down uh, and really relies on contact, uh, is that things can go bad in a hurry. And so, I I, I mean, he is who he is, and I think you, you just cut bait, obviously, and, and move on. Um, my guess is the Twins will do something for that rotation coming into next year, so I just don't know if he's going to be back in the rotation um, un- unless he just looks amazing in spring you're talking about next year that he might yeah he, you know i i could see them putting themselves in a situation where he's their sixth or seventh mm-hmm. and they only have to rely on him for depth um i think they're going to make some changes this year they're going to be aggressive whether it's via trade or via uh the free agent market where barrios odorizzi and maeda are going to be their top three and then they're going to kind of work from there well, Odorizzi is a free agent. So. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. So actually, they're really only coming in with Brios Maeda and Pineda. Is Pineda a two-year guy? Yeah, he's he's got a he's okay. got ten million on the books for next year. Yeah, I, I was just gonna check that. So okay, so those will be the three that they've got. That's nice to have Pineda. Um, you know, e- even if he goes back to being Michael Pineda, where he's kind of a mm-hmm. mid fours guy for ten mil, that can't really hurt you. So we'll see what they do going into next year. I don't think they at most they would want to have Dominic as a fifth. You know, I, I can't I can't say that I saw him falling apart when when he was cooking. I had him on a couple of teams. I was enjoying the success. Um, you know, you had the support of Minnesota along with the fact that he was pitching well. You felt pretty good about it, and then just falls apart there with the uh, with the three crummy outings in four starts. And he, I mean, the Twins don't need a fifth starter because they have a few days off down the stretch here, so. I don't know that they even need him to come back unless they they may bring him back for like a spot start, you know, here or there or something like that, because, uh, you know, they're going to be pretty locked into a player playoff spot as well. And maybe for a tune up just so that he's mm -hmm. ready. So but yeah, I don't know that he is uh, necessary. It's necessary that they actually bring him back. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I think you can pretty safely cut him in all formats, especially the you know where you haven't already. I think would be really AL only in deep leagues. In shallow leagues, I feel like you should have gotten out. Um, it would be what uh, what what Nick would call the Vargas rule. Uh, Nick Pollock, a pitcher list, wherein you're trusting a guy that you don't fully believe in until until you really start to see that uh, that that trouble. You don't leave at first start at the first sign of trouble, but the second bad start, you start to jump out. And like I said, he's had three uh, of his last four go south. So I think it was time you've probably Vargas ruled uh, Dobnik out there again. Shouts to Nick Pollock of Pitcher List for that one. Uh, let's move on. Let's stay with Minnesota, though, and talk about, I know this is going to really shock you. Byron Buxton having a f- great finish to the to a season. <laughs> That's crazy, dude. That's so bizarre. <laughs> Even in a crazy short season, he finds a way 
uh, and he's going to coax everyone back in. He's got five homers in his last eight games. He now has 10 on the year, and I swear this guy loves September. Um, I mean, you, you, I, you I, look at his tri- trends. Trivia question. How many walks does he have this year? Three. One. <laughs> Isn't that how many steals he has, too? <laughs> yes. Oh, sweet. Sweet. That's wild so one for one for two on the base paths and he he's attempted two walks and gotten one (laughs) he got into another three ball count but Mm -hmm. didn't didn't really like how it felt and struck out yeah um weird 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 setup there but this guy like for real buxton his september his august september are so much better. You go by the month OPS over his career. It's 567, 669, 621, 734, 804, and 880 in August and September. Um, his 19 homers in September, easily his highest, by, like by far. And, and he's doing it again this year. He's got five with a 1051 OPS. And, you know, he's going to be 27 next year. I think the, the tough part is the, the lack of speed. Uh, because, you know, if this was coming with, if the power was coming with some stolen bases, you'd see that fully dynamic player. But I guess I have to ask, where you at on Buxton for next year now, after a strong finish? Well, I mean, here's the thing. I think you just mentioned the, the biggest issue is he's not running. And this isn't a personal decision. This is a team decision. The Twins mm-hmm. have 10 total stolen bases on the year. Because they don't need them. They had yep. so many homers. They're like, we, we don't need you to run, dude. They don't want people to run in outs. Exactly. I mean, they're in the inning that they've yeah. got going. They're last in the league uh, in stolen bases. And I, I just, I don't know that that's going to change a huge amount coming into next year. This seems like an organizational shift. So if he doesn't have the stolen base upside, which is one of the main reasons you love Buxton, I, I just don't know that he becomes. I, I think he's less interesting of a player coming into 2021 than he was coming into 2020, mm-hmm. in spite of the hot stretch. No, I, I I tend to agree because without that speed, he's a mediocre average special. with decent power. Yeah, like the the talent's there, and part of it too isn't just their their overall team. Theory, which definitely drives a lot of um, him him being paused on the bases for Buxton, but also the fact that they want to keep him healthy. And do you want to take the extraneous uh, uh, risk of having him run and slide in and you know bust a hand that way or something for a handful of stolen bases? Particularly like when I said your team doesn't need it because of all the home runs that they can hit. So I do wonder if they're going to fundamentally alter who Buxton is as a fantasy player. And that would really, that would really take away from uh, from what we could have here. I still think he's going to end up going higher than I want to pay. Yeah, oh, for sure. Well, bottom line is is this going to be something that I'm just not willing to pay. So I love the. I actually really, really like watching Buxton play. He's so fun to watch play. But I can't do it fantasy wise. I can't pay the premium right now, especially with the injury profile that he has. It's. Uh, it's just not worth it. And, and like I said, if he's not going to run, like how much different is he than Randall Gritchuk? Exactly. Exactly. Um, or, and you know, maybe this next guy is even better than him. Teoscar Hernandez. What happened here? Everyone was talking like season was over <laughs> when he first went on the IL, which I get with obliques. I, I am always 
on the long end of the timeline and tacking on time. So I was right there thinking this was it. I'm not like critiquing anybody in particular, but that seemed to be the news was like, hey, this is probably it for Teoscar. Maybe they get him back for the playoffs. And he's been activated off the injured list um, from his from his oblique injury. He had a minimum stay and he's ready to go. I think he should be in the lineup today um, against the Yankees. Am, am I crazy to be shocked by this? Or are you not a little bit surprised that he's back this quickly? Uh, 2020 is weird. <laughs> it just stays bizarre, dude. Like, I, yeah, I mean, this in m- most seasons would have been a season ender. I mean, typically we talk about obliques being like a four to eight week injury, and we tend mm-hmm. to want to rule on the longer end of that timeline. Uh, so, I mean, apparently it wasn't hurt as bad as uh, maybe it was made to believe. Clearly, because um, he's bad. Yeah. He's already bad. Uh, and it may have been one of those things where they went, you know, look, we're, we're pretty close to being locked in for a playoff spot. Um, what, let's make sure that this guy is ready for the playoffs. And let's not take a chance of him... Uh, you know, exacerbating it and then missing the playoffs. So exactly. Uh, or yeah. So I, I mean, yeah. I mean, if he's check your leagues because I bet you people dropped him. I, I was uh, if I'd had him anywhere, I was operating under the idea that he should be a cut. I'm pretty sure I dropped him in my OC. So it was bummer uh, for me. Yeah. No, and it was it was understandable. It really was, especially in a 12 teamer, which is where you cut him. So I get it, but um. He's back, and uh, don't don't assume. Do not assume. Absolutely check the uh, the, the waiver wire and just see what's up because he may well be there, and Tasker could uh, could maybe deliver a little something, a little fantasy goodness for you down the stretch here. And, I mean, you know, he's we'll available about... in my main event. There you go. They, and I don't I don't blame whoever cut him. Yeah, they're probably you know dumbfounded that he's back. Yeah, and, and the just question like, is how oh. much do I want to bid on him? Well, how much you got? I got thirteen bucks. I think unless you you know, uh, however many other spots you need to fill, you know, minus that from subtract that from the thirteen, and then there's your bid. If you have yeah. two other spots to fill, you put eleven, and then two one dollar guys, and you just unfortunately and, the guys two of the guys in front of me in terms of money uh, are also in front of me in terms of the standings. But I was yeah. able to pick up Tommy Fam in spite of that same scenario you never coming know, in dude. last week. You, so you just never know. You know, and, and because so. they could be going after different categories, they're not exactly. looking at me behind them. They're they're looking at the overall because both of them are top twenty. Shout out to Batflip yep. Crazy, our boy, who has uh, just been killing it this season. Toby having a hell of a season for sure. Uh, so yeah, you know they might need pitching, they might need speed. They don't even care about uh, about a power guy like Teoscar. So we'll see. Um, all right, let's talk about let's talk about some players who have even in the short two months. You know, I know it's not a full season here, but I think they've done enough to establish themselves after their 2019 breakout to where they are now an established stud and will be treated as such going into next year's drafts. And I want to start. This was this was born of a two homer game last night from DJ Lemayhew, and I was just thinking back about, damn, dude, he really. He really I'm, has I'm panned so out. I'm so glad we traded him <laughs> in labor. I mean, at least we picked up Jared Walsh to uh, hey, uh, to to replace we, him, so it hasn't hurt us. And we got Beaver, mix, man. 
yeah, we, we're 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 in the mix. Um, things are things are looking good. We uh, I don't think we can win. Yeah, I mean, it would take quite a bit. I don't even know if the standings uh, could be finagled enough with our ninety six and a half points to catch Fred Zinke at one fourteen and a half. But I think we could range as high as second. Mm-hmm. That's an eleven point, uh, ten and a half point stretch right there. Hey, we we've been playing we've been playing really well. And we, no, we did not we did not trade Lemayhew. We still have Lemayhew cooking. Oh, we traded Muncie. Um, That's right. It was yeah. It, we traded Muncie. Uh, we made a late trade with um, with Tim McLeod. He was he had a bunch of pitching, and in the very last uh, in the very last. Uh, Day on the deadline, he's like, you know what? I'm just gonna go through, trade a bunch of this excess pitching, and leverage it for as much hitting as I can get. And that included a little trade with us, where we gave him Muncie and Solak for Bieber, and we got Carlson back, but it didn't matter. <laughs> he got sent um, down literally like the next minute, like nine minutes later. So we were like, okay, that's fine. What, whatever. So, um, yeah. And like I said, we picked up. You mentioned we picked up Walsh. We got Lemayhu doing well. But yeah, this this is another big game from him. A two homer game out of uh, Lemayhu had me thinking, dude, this guy completely panned out. If you you know if you did the old extrapolation game on a full season this year, he'd be pacing for even more homers than his 26 last year, which is why you don't extrapolate 39 games. But he has nine homers. In those 39 games, he's a 1047 OPS. He's been better across the board. He's been amazing. And so I wanted to talk about these players that that have backed up their their big 19 and talk about some of the the rise that I think they're going to see in ADP next year. You and I talked about uh, LeMahieu a lot in the Muncie McNeil, like all three of them together. We liked, I mean, we drafted two of them. We had, you know, like I said, we had Muncie. Uh, we still have LeMahieu. We liked these multi-positional guys. They were just inside the top 100. Felt like that was a fair price. Is LeMahieu a top three rounder next year? I think he has to be. I mean, he's going to have... Second rounder. I think there is an argument to be made there. Um, yeah. You were going to hint on his eligibility. What, what is it yeah, going to be? He's going to be year? first, second, and third again. I mean... I mean, he's he's got... Uh, let's see. I mean, he's been primarily playing second, so 28 games there, 10 games at third, and nine games at first. And another question for you. Mm-hmm. Is he best deployed at first base? I mean, I think he probably is, uh, but I, I think, you you know, you, you draft him. Let's say you're getting, you take him in the third round. Uh, it just gives you so many more options of who you can take later. I mean, Exactly. Because of the triple eligibility. I think the fact that he's going to have the triple eligibility, he provides the average, uh, which is so useful, especially in uh, leagues with an overall. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, as long as you don't go with my punt batting average strategy, <laughs> um, <laughs> which if I'm drafting LeMahieu in the second round, I'm definitely not doing. Uh, yeah, I think there's an argument that he should be a second rounder. I don't know that I can pull the trigger on him. In the second, but mid to early third, I, I think is probably where he's going to be going. Yeah, I think no later than third. I think I think Lemayhu is now a top forty-five guy. That'd be for fifteen teamers. Of course, we yes. are um, in that kind of main event realm. But I think even even in your twelves, you're really starting to look at him at least in that top forty, which puts him you know at latest early fourth round. But I I 
I think I couldn't see myself pulling the trigger. I, I'm, you know, obsessed with multi eligibility. Um, I love the batting average piece that you're talking about, and and he's backed up the power breakout from last year to show that that it is that it is legit. And yeah, he's a little bit of an older breakthrough here. I mean, he was 30 last year. You know, he's going into his age 32 season next year. But I don't think we have any reason to think that he's going to fall apart. No, I, I mean, his skills are so strong. He's had at least 600 plate appearances in each season since 2015, except for one time. And that and one five eighty one exactly. So, I mean, I, I think what hurts him in terms of draft capital is that he doesn't steal. I mean, he's only got True. two stolen bases this year. He's That's more just not part of his game. Anymore. Yeah, he's more of an opportunistic base dealer than he is mm-hmm. like, you know. Oh, I'm taking off here. You know, he's um, yeah. So that will that will drop his price a little bit, but I, I think. Yeah, I think mid to early third round is is likely the right spot for a guy who is triple eligible uh, and you know, contributes in you know four of the five categories, and and aggressively so in in that batting average yeah. category that uh, that is often overall and runs like the, mm-hmm. the two that can be overlooked. And I'll, again, I can't stress the triple eligibility enough. The the, the way you can maneuver things around, both within your draft, but then also within the season, so valuable. So I love DJ LeMay. Yeah. I'm excited to uh, to draft him again next year, even with the uh, big rise in price. And you would uh, think, too, that uh, the Yankees can't be any more injured than they have been this year. And so the, you would think. I, I don't want to like say for sure, but... Uh, you would think that run scored number will jump up, and I mean he's yeah. he's twelfth this year in run scored. Oh man, and, yeah, batting atop that lineup. Um, if they can find, some, I mean, hell, we didn't think they could be more injured than they were last year. <laughs> they did the proverbial hold my beer and said, no, look what we can do. Um, and it's been it's been crazy, and that they're still a competing team just shows you the the amazing depth and. If anyone, if anyone still doubts that Cashman's a great GM, you're just you're just a dipshit at this point. I'm sorry. Like, yes, he has resources, but resources alone do not make you a great GM. Yeah, there are he teams with resources that are putting up bad bad numbers. So, yeah, absolutely. Now, here's one that surprises me because I thought he was actually going to be a little bit on on the lower end here, um, and it, it was definitely due to the fact that his batting average wasn't there. Keston Hira was somebody that. I found him to be overdrafted for my tastes, primarily because I would uh, I would rather have taken Brandon Lau much later. Mm-hmm. I, I found I found their profiles to be similar, and that's which has worked out. Yeah, yeah, that certainly has worked out. But I will say, those that took Keston here, despite the two twenty two average, they don't have a lot to be angry about because uh, he was sixth at second base in average draft position, and he's fourth at the position on the player radar right now. Uh, and it's because of those 13 homers, 28 runs, 32 ribbies, three steals uh, that's making up for the 222 average. It's really out, outpacing um, his batting average there. Part of it's also second base is not, you know, a super strong position. But hey, again, you drafted him as the sixth second baseman and he's been the fourth. You can't argue with the production here. Um, what do you think of here, though, now that we've seen? A the batting average struggles here because the strikeout rate was so high. And that was my big thing was I didn't think we were giving enough 
credence to the to the mm-hmm. heavy BABIP that did a lot of the work there because he was striking out so much. He has not stopped striking out. He's he's striking out just as much. Thirty one percent last year, thirty two percent this year. How do you assess Hira going forward? Um, even even as he's been able to outrun this batting average for a, a pretty quality season. I mean, Hira is typically the guy kind of guy that I love. You know, give me power, give me speed, screw batting average. There are some serious concerns with how much he strikes out and how bad that average may continue to be. Mm-hmm. Um, because, I mean, I mean, you look at his X batting average and it's, uh, you know, 232. Uh, you know, he's, six, he's in the 6th percentile in terms of uh, K percentage. He's also a pretty bad defender. Yeah, he's kind of hidden there at second base. So there are some things to be concerned about, and I do think that people are just going to look at the like kind of sum total of the parts and go, "Hey, he he steals a little bit. Um, You know, he's got plenty of power. He's got the counting categories." But like, do we really expect the Brewers, who are considered a fairly smart organization, uh, to continue to bat him second, third, fourth, fifth? in this lineup if he's striking out at, you know, a 32% clip. Yeah. Not, not with, with a, a complete lack of development. I think there needs to be something that starts to turn around or else he has to kind of move into like a fifth, sixth role. I would, I would think for Keston Hira because yeah, I mean, it's just the, the, the strikeouts, man. And listen, you have to be careful going too far and just forgetting everything else somebody does and only focusing on on the negative of the strikeouts. He does a lot of other good things, and when he does make contact, he crushes, uh, as we've seen this year for Keston Hira. But I do wonder if there's a breaking point. And, um, and also, you know, he's not that great of a, a base runner. What if that – what if those – he isn't delivering double digit stolen bases then what kind of fantasy asset does he become you know yeah i think i think that is becomes the question because <clears throat> last year what he was 19 and 9 in you know pretty much half a season mm-hmm. and so people were dreaming on that kind of you know 35 20 40 40 yeah. 20 yeah, yeah. Was the real was the with, with, mega with the batting average because the babbit yes. was so high and i think what we've seen this year is kind of the floor in terms of what what we could expect uh you know from the batting average department it's hard because i don't want to call him mondesi-esque i understand why you would even hint at but that the, trading the power for speed like mondesi-esque yeah. in terms of plate profile and batting average type mm-hmm. of stuff but i mean there is there is some considerable downside and if you eat a full season of a 220 average from your second round pick that's not going to be good. Mm-hmm. And he's going to be a second-round pick next year, I think. That's the thing. I, and that's that's why I included him here, because despite despite some of the struggles, uh, or, or, or the primary struggle with the batting average, people are going to see that he's delivering with the pop. And uh, he's going he's gonna to show high on earned auction values and player raters and whatnot. I think people are going to be justified to at least run him back in like the third, fourth round, if not boost him up to the second round, thinking, hey, he can improve that batting average um, and 
I think there'll still be some who believe that he can cut the strikeout rate because he didn't, he didn't quite strike out like this in the minors. Only in AAA did he have a strikeout issue at 26%. Um, but now now we're talking 30, 30 plus for his two seasons here. I don't know. I don't think I'll have any Keston here next year, not if the price is trending that highly. Yeah. Uh, I'll be interested to see where he goes, but I, I got a feeling he's going to go in the second round and then people are going to point to the, the really low BABIP this year and be like, oh, you know, there's no reason to think he'll – you know, get that unlucky, but yeah, I think he contributes to it. So I don't even think it's all bad luck. Yeah, um, because you just have to be so sharp when you do put it into contact in, into play when you have that little bit of contact. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's run to the other side uh, completely here, as far as you know, expectations and 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 delivering on them. Fernando Tatis, holy smokes, he's been insane. Um, he was fourth at the position in shortstop. Obviously, he's first on the player. He's first overall on the player rater. He's he's been insane, and um, you know he's going to be a first rounder. He's going to go number one overall in a lot of drafts. Would you take him as high as number one overall? Ooh, that is going to be difficult. <laughs> I thought you were gonna go Randy Jackson. I mean, that's gonna be a no from me, dog. Um, uh, I mean, like the overall numbers look good, but he he's been struggling. Um, he, he certainly he certainly is. Uh, I, I like fair. how on our splits page too, we have a first half and a second half in the short season. <laughs> I know, I know. So if uh, we if we take those first half, second half numbers into account. Uh, which I'm pretty sure is just you know broken up by first 30 games and then what will be the last 30 games. So he's played 51 games so far. First 30 games, uh, 12 home runs, six stolen bases, 314 batting average. Uh, second half so far, 21 games, three home runs, three stolen bases, 231 batting average. Oof. I mean, he had to cool down, right? Yeah, he couldn't. He had to cool down. But I think this also, you know, is kind of points to some of the concerns that people had with his plate approach coming into the season. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, overall, his strikeout rate has dropped, which, uh, you know, was one of the big concerning things is that he had, a, you know, pretty close to a 30% strikeout rate. Um, so it's... The thing is, it hasn't like risen back up in in the second half. It's actually decreased. He had a thirty percent strikeout rate in the first half of the uh, the shortened season, and, and now it's down to under twenty percent. So, I think I don't know that I am yet ready to say he's the number one overall player, but I do think he's in the conversation. Mm-hmm. I agree. I think I think he's put himself in that conversation. Like I said, he will go first in a lot of leagues. I don't think he'll be an unchallenged number one. I think there'll still be I think there'll still be some trouts for sure. Um, I think that Acuna will still be taken number one. It might just be those three though, right? And maybe some. Could you see like Degrom going number one in some leagues? Yeah, I think I think Degrom will go number one in some leagues. I, I, Assuming I, that you know he's not. I think hurt. you're. Yeah, I think you're gonna see Mookie go first in some leagues. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you may see uh, Shane Bieber go first in some leagues. So, I mean, I think it's going to be a much more wide open top half of the draft than 
uh, we've seen in years past. I, I agree. I agree. I think uh, there's some changing of the guard, and and it's not that the the old guard is completely out. Like I said, Trout I think will still go number one in plenty of leagues, but the new guys are moving in, and I think pitching. We've seen it year over year as it continues to get more and more trusted. I think we're going to see more uh, more pitchers maybe go number one overall. I think even though he hasn't been amazing, I think Garrett Cole could be a number one overall in some leagues too. For some people that want to just say, you know what, you know he he, he settled down a bit in his first year as a Yankee. He had a little, little bit up and down with the home runs. And even with a 1.8 homer per nine, he still has a three ERA and .99 whip. And I could see people taking taking Cole number one overall. So uh, lots to like there. But yeah, Fernando Tatis definitely established himself. Hats off to those of you who took him in the first round, second round this year. You really got yourself a boon. Uh, this next guy, Bo Bichette, he was ninth at the position uh, in ADP. And I'm giving him an incomplete on the player rater because he got injured. But he was killing it. And I think he... Everything that we've seen from him, and now he is back too. He's also going to finish the season uh, with with the ball club. I think we've seen enough, even in a shortened, already shortened season, an injury-shortened version of that. I think even that 22-18-game uh, sample that we've seen out of him has been enough to be like, yeah, we can we can believe in him as a, as a premium player. I know it's a small overall sample, 64 games, but I don't really have questions about Bo Bichette's talent. And I, I do trust him as a top three rounder. And, um, you know, you look at it, it's 288 plate appearances with 16 homers, eight steals and a 315 average. Where do you think Bichette's going to go next year? Yeah, I think he's probably a second rounder as well. Um, yeah, I think so. I think and, I'd take him And too. I think I would too. I, I have already had one draft uh, so far for Pardon next year. Me? Um, it, the three sport league. Oh, okay, that's right. That's right. Uh, so we'll technically, I've had yeah. I've had two drafts because I have a three sport redraft and a three sport dynasty, okay. Uh, okay. and I believe I got Bouchette on both of those teams, um, and got him way later than I should have, because uh, I mean they they were being conducted like I think one was conducted before the season before the season started, and the other one was conducted uh, after the season started, but Bouchette had been injured. So I was gonna say while he was hurt, mm-hmm. so that probably depressed the price as well. So yeah, I think he's. I, I think there's an argument to be made that he's a top 20 player coming the next year. You're not going to get a whole lot of pushback from me on that. I, I, I love him. I love the talent. I, I think he's so good. And he's that a five-category context... contributor. Um, mm-hmm. And, I mean, in, in, in potentially an elite one on a team that's getting better. Uh, I, I mean, honestly, I think he is probably... I think there's an argument that he's an end-of-first-rounder. Again, not going to get major pushback from me on that. I, I think it's at, open that, at, that you can take him there. At this time last year, we were talking about the potential that Tatis was. And mm-hmm. wouldn't you agree that Bichette has less question marks than yeah. Tatis did coming, you know, ending last year, coming into this year? So he's got a stronger plate profile, which can help have you believing in the batting average a bit more. And again, Credit to Tatis for what he's done this year with his development, by the way, um, in, in cutting those strikeouts. But we already have Bichette down. You know, he, he was at a 24% last year. He's cut it down to 18. Um, so, you know, he's hit 315 in his in his full major league sample. He's got 16 homers, like I said, eight steals. So, yeah, I, 
I'm not going to push back on any of what you're saying here. I totally agree. I could totally see it. I, I could be the guy who does it. I'm I'm open to being being the one who takes him in the, at that position. I think the argument will become, do you want to take a guy who's potentially the fourth or fifth shortstop off the board in the first round? So, because, I mean, uh, Tatis, first rounder, Turner, first rounder, Story, first rounder. So, I guess. Lindor? Yeah, Lindor, potentially, um, you know, depending on where he ends up in the offseason. Did you say Trey Turner? Yeah, it said Turner. Okay. So, like, yeah. you know, will we see five shortstops with a depth of shortstop? It's crazy, dude. You know, uh, go in the first round. I, I think you're there's. Take, an, you're ta- I know you're taking Dansby Swanson late first round, right? You, I mean, you got it, right? And Tim Anderson right there. One, two at the turn. They're insane, by the way. Manny Machado is a guy who. But he won't you know, be shortstop or eligible. I don't... Oh, that's right. That's right. He'll be 3B only. Correct, 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 correct. Anyway, um, yeah. So Bichette really moving up. I love what he's done. And let's move to Tim Anderson because it's another shortstop here who I, I think has established himself and is going to move up in ADP. And I know it seems like at some point the Babbitt has to catch up with him. But what point is that? And what does it. What does it go down to, right? You know, we we made the joke of like he can't possibly maintain a four hundred. He's like, you're right. So I'm going to maintain a four twenty. Mm-hmm. Babbitt, like, are you four thirty five? Four thirty five. His Babbitt is higher than his on base percentage by twenty five points. Yeah, and horrible. obviously, over the course of a six month season, it would it would tamp down and not quite be this high. But I think it would still be remarkably high. And so. How, how how do we judge him? Like, what what do we do with Tim Anderson? It's eight homers, five steals to go with the three seventy three average. Another team that is coalescing and turning into the the powerhouse that a lot of people saw them to be, and so that in, in, enhances his team context. What are you doing with Tim Anderson next year? Is he a top three round guy for you? I don't think he should be. <laughs> I don't know, man. I think he's got the talent to be. This this reminds me so much of Javi Baez when Javi okay. Baez was having that just breakout, and but the underlying stuff was uh, just scary. Um, because like, there's nothing, there's nothing that tells me this should be happening. Like the numbers do not make sense. No, he's got he's I, got a forty two percent O swing. He his contact percentage. Well, I mean it's not bad at seventy two percent, but it's not elite. No, no, it's not. He's putting the ball in play at like a Nick Madrigal level or Angelton Simmons. Ground ball rate is fifty five percent. He only has a twenty four percent fly ball rate. Um, I just don't. I just don't know that this is sustainable, but it, I mean, it, it has been now for, I mean, two straight years. I just worry that, I mean, he's going to, he's going to deliver some power, uh, and some speed. Um, the question is really based on the average. Cause I mean, I think the average fluctuation is, is why you can consider taking him in the top three rounds. Um, but like there is that part of me that thinks at some point it's going to dip back down to the 240 that we saw in 2018 and that'll be painful like i really want to push back on that but 
I, I, I don't think it's going to go down that far, but even like 260, 270 would be jarring at this point based on what we've seen. I mean, 260, 270, and I'm in for the third round. You know, considering the power and the speed that can come along is with he, it, when, the when he really dropped to two forty again. I mean, that was a two eighty nine Babbitt. That's that's things really working against you at that yeah. point. Maybe and yeah, I mean, and he was still twenty twenty six that year. By the way, I think maybe the two thousand seventeen Tim Anderson is the the guy. Um, you know, it was six hundred plate appearances, seventeen home runs, fifteen stolen bases, two fifty seven. Um, okay. I, I don't know that I, I think my strategy coming into next year is likely gonna be if I don't get one of those top five shortstops, I'm just gonna wait again. Well, I mean, because there is so much depth there. I, I I don't think I'll end up with Tim Anderson because I'll already have a shortstop. Because I am taking one of those early those earlier guys there in the first, second round, so that I might not even have to deal with with the Tim Anderson conundrum. But I don't know, man. I don't know if I'm going to blame somebody that takes him in the third, fourth round. Even though I do have some questions, I still believe in the overall talent profile of just being flush with talent. And I do wonder, or or, or I feel like, even as the batting average comes down and, and the BABIP starts to normalize a bit, I don't know that he, he can't just tap into pop and be a 30-homer hitter. Hmm. I, I mean... With the amount of ground balls he hits, he's. I don't think he can do that. I'm, I'm, sa- yeah. I'm saying that would be. I'm saying that would require a fundamental change, though. Yeah. But I think he has the talent to make that change. Is what I'm saying. Where it'd be like, okay, you know, I'm obviously not maintaining these crazy babips here. Let me get back into the uh, in, into the pop that I had a few years ago, where I was a little bit more of a fly ball pull pull guy, and 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 deliver that way. I don't know. I, I think. I might just believe in the talent profile of Tim Anderson, the the overall collection of skills. I'm not there. I'm not there. Okay. Well, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I'm I'm really eager to see where his ADP winds up. I'll say that for sure. Uh, Raphael Devers, another kind of late surger here. Where at a point, if we had done this, you know, a couple of weeks ago, he certainly wouldn't have been making the grade as somebody who was backing up his big 2019 breakout. Uh, you know, he was toting a sub 700 OPS as recently as August 29th. But since then, he's absolutely been on fire, hitting 426 with a 1298 OPS and five homers. So all of a sudden, he is absolutely backed up his big breakout season. He was fourth in ADP at uh, at third base. He's now fifth on the pay- player radar. Raphael Devers could be age 24 next year. Do you believe in him as a top three rounder? Now, at some point, we're going to have 92 guys in the top three <laughs> rounds. But I wonder uh, where he come out with Devers and, and his 2021 uh, draft cost. I don't know that his draft cost is going to go up. Uh, Do you think this is been done a little bit under the radar i think yeah might keep it cheaper i think it it has been and i think the fact that the overall numbers aren't going to jump off the page at you uh because he's not a guy who's going to get to 20 home runs this year and there will be power guys that uh that do that um and it's not like he's hitting 300 necessarily again though he could he could bump himself up there uh by the end of the season i i think this one is one uh, you know, Devers went 21st or 22nd in ADP last year or th- this year. 
Um, so like, I actually think he's going to drop out of the second round into the third and I will be all over that. Yeah. I love Devers. I, I believe that him coming into this year, uh, it was definitely nervous when, when it was looking like it was trouble just cause I thought maybe time would run out on him. Uh, but he has turned it around and, you know, I think Boston, I don't think they're going to like completely rip it down to where they're going to be a, a terrible team next year. I think they are going to use this season, you know, to get their high pick. Um, but they're going to kind of do more of a retool than a rebuild. And they have, they have to figure some things out to be sure. But I think that they're, go- they're not going to let these, uh, these Bogarts Devers and now for Dugo years. And then what, what they have left of JD Martinez, of course, go to waste. Um, and maybe they trade JD or something, but uh, yeah. yeah, I don't know that so they I think, can trade him I, with what he's owed. Well, the, the at least DH not right now. Where helps the, the DH being everywhere certainly helps, but they also don't want to get taken to the cleaners on it. They might just have to ride it out. You're right, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I love Devers. I am open to taking him. I, I agree with you though that it could be a situation where his price doesn't uh, doesn't really maintain. In fact, goes down a bit. In which case, I would definitely be in at that point for Raphael Devers. So he's another one I'll be certainly keyed in on to see where his ADP goes. And in my first few drafts, I might not take him just to kind of see what the market does, you know, bypass him in, in like the beginning of the fourth round just to say, hmm, does he get taken later this round or does he somehow make it to the fifth? And then and so on from there. So uh, I do like Devers, though. Let's end with one of Tim Anderson's teammates. Eloy Jimenez has absolutely backed up what he did last year. Like I said, that White Sox team is really coming together. They are leading the division. Uh, they've been awesome. Their, their expected studs have been expected studs. They've had a few other guys absolutely go crazy, like uh, Jose Abreu. Not, not only finding the fountain of youth, but like doubling and tripling it, like returning to a level we'd never seen before with a 996 OPS. Uh, but Jimenez quietly hit the 30 homers last year. And I I, I mean that fully. I, I feel like some folks didn't even realize that he went 30, 31 homers uh, because he started off poorly. He got hurt and then just kind of quietly trickled upward to where he ended up with 31. Uh, he has 13 this year with a 302, 344, 577 line. He was the 15th uh, outfielder by ADP and he's 10th on the player Raider. Where's Eloy go? He's our, he's our 97th guy in the top three rounds this year, or, or for 2021. What what do you think? Is he a top three rounder for you? Yeah, he is. I mean, he should have been this year. And I, uh, this is one of those uh, situations where I think I let myself be dragged back to the pack by you know by looking at the ADP and going, oh, you know, he's a great price of the ADP. I can I can get him. Uh, <laughs> I can get him later than I would normally rank him out at um because i mean i i got some heat like ranking him over guys like judge and and springer coming into the year um and i wish i had kind of stuck to my guns a little bit more because uh, i don't have him on enough teams uh this year but i i think i think he's a second round pick i think uh coming into next year and uh you know what i love about him is he's a premium power guy with the batting average i fully yeah. believe in this 302 that we're seeing this year I there are a f- just a few minor concerns with like the swing and strike rate and the O swing that makes me wonder if the the strikeouts will tick up a little bit um, and maybe drop that batting average. But I still think he's like a two ninety guy coming in next year, and I mean, and with prodigi- prodigious power on a really really good team. Like mm-hmm. I, I think he can be an elite contributor in four of the categories. 
Um, oh, he can be a hundred and a hundred as far as yeah. runs and ribbies. Yeah, I mean, I, I think like I I likely will project him to be like a forty hundred hundred guy next year. With yeah, like I was two ninety batting average. And I still think like his best season, which I think would be MVP contending for Jimenez, would be like a three thirty. 45-110-110. I, I don't know that I'm that sold on the batting average. Like, I, I think there's a chance, like, you know, we, we talk about the variance of batting average and how it can just, you know... Yeah, don't mistake me. This yeah. is not projection. This is, mm-hmm. like, everything... Pie in the sky, like... yeah, okay. Yeah, no, yeah. I, I could yeah. definitely see something like that. You know, and, and the more and more I think about it, I actually start bumping down the average. But I still think he is probably, like... Maybe like a 275 batting average, 40 home runs, 100-100 as long as he's healthy um, mm-hmm. next year. And I think there is – I think that's a you know late second rounder. Yeah, well, we'll absolutely take that. And I will have – I will have Samuel Jimenez shares. Um, you know, I, 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 I hear you on the, on the strikeout concerns because, you know, he doesn't balance it with a ton of walks. And it's not an egregious strikeout rate. Even last year's 27%. For the power that you're getting, you can take a 27%. He's shaved it down to 23 this year. I would love if we could somehow get him to that 18 to 20%, maybe push the walks up. Not crazy because we see this with teammate Tim Anderson. Imposing walks on somebody does not inherently make them better. No. If you take them out of what they're doing and and how they succeed, I I think walks can make them passive. So I I don't just think sprinkling some walks on Eloy makes him elite. But I think as he really establishes himself, he's going to find that teams aren't going to pitch him as, uh, you know, the same. And he's going to have to start to develop that patience or else he's going to end up swinging at junk. Mm -hmm. And I think he can make those adjustments, man. I've been really impressed. Uh, to see him this year, got to be a little bit careful with the 41% O swing. You mentioned yeah. that uh, Tim Anderson has a high one as well. So, again, I want to be clear that the, what I was saying was like his best year, everything goes perfectly. That That's mm-hmm. an MVP type of dream season, not a projection. I'm with you on 275, 35, 100, 100 as like a projection. That's yeah. probably what I would yeah. what I would work. I think of. I think that is probably pretty close to perfect. So, um, all right. So that's a, that's a group of guys there that I think uh, have really shown themselves to uh, make their 2019s believable, even in this shortened season. And it sounds like you and I will be drafting most of them pretty highly again next year. Justin, it is absolute home stretch time. Good luck mm-hmm. on all your bidding this week for where you have uh, contending teams left, and we will talk next Tuesday. And, uh, and good luck, man. Take care. Take it easy.